Welcome into the second hour of First Take. We're leading you up to the Bud Light Countdown, the kickoff coming up at 10 o'clock with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear. We are inside the Superdome already, folks, right at Gate B, Loge level. Look for us in the atrium uh, here for the Bud Light Countdown, the kickoff, which is coming up, presented by our putty Craig at Craig's Electrical Generator Service. Uh, getting ready for 2-1 Saints, taking on the 2-1 Buccaneers, a battle in the nfc south we've already already have division rival atlanta falcons taking on the jacksonville jaguars the jags have a seven nothing lead so far in london we've got that game going on calvin ridley getting a touchdown against his former team i'll uh, be interesting to see how that one shakes out because right now atlanta two and one saints two and one tampa two and one everybody fighting for a piece of first place in the division just in week four and I think Jeff it wasn't expected uh to have this much of an intense I guess strive for this first place in the division a lot of folks I think expected the Saints to run away with things it's a lot more competitive I guess maybe than we expected well it is still early it's week three yes exactly let's, uh, <laughs> let's not get too far out ahead of ourselves um but yeah I think this is a week where you kind of figure out who's for real in the division <laughs> right I mean like the Saints have the opportunity to really put their stamp on it the the Falcons are you know they're going to be hard-pressed to find a win out there in London if there's any team that's comfortable playing in London it's the Jags they do it every year you know so like you talk about last year the Saints going out and facing the Vikings and like oh okay who who can find the edge well the Jags know how to do this so they're going to have an advantage they're a good team and so, you know, I think this whoever wins this matchup between the Saints and the Bucs is going to be in the catbird seat. I know the Bucs won their first two games. They looked very much overmatched last week against the Eagles. You can say, okay, well, the Eagles are very good, and they, they are better than the Bucs, so they just looked like they are. But, you know, you look at the games the, the Bucs won. Like, they beat the Bears in week one. Or I'm sorry, they beat the Bears in week two. And everyone was like, wow, you know, 2-0. and oh. But then you look at what else the Bears have done. They might be the worst team in the NFL. They're a home underdog, a three-point home underdog to the Broncos this week. The team that lost by 50, 50 to the Dolphins. So, I mean, like, what does that say about you? So that, that win doesn't exactly, you know, show you, oh, man, this is a, this is a great team. Yeah. And then they beat the Vikings in the 0-3 team in week one. So I don't know if the Bucs have proven – what people seem to think they had after a 2-0 and start. But I think we'll get the, we start to get that answer today. So, you know, this division, while it's close right now, well, you have a lot of 2-1 and one teams, and that might be better than a lot of people had expected. I think there, there's going to be some, some distance forming in the next couple of weeks. And one of these teams, I think, is going to be able to make a statement and create some separation, and it's just a matter of who it is. So this is a huge game for the Saints. And if you're asking, okay, why might they be – be going out on a limb and saying, no, Derek, we're going to start you. Well, because I think this is a very important game in this season. Talking about the offensive line a lot leading into this matchup, our sideline reporter right here, Jeff Nowak, got to catch up with James Hurst during the weekend. Here's what Hurst had to say. Just having, just having that running back Camara, does that help the offensive line in, in some way in terms of just keeping the defense a little more? Absolutely. Um, he's a person that you have to game plan for. Uh, you have to understand where he is all over the field every single play because he's a guy that's you know going to break a tackle and he's a threat to score six every time he touches the ball. And uh, defenses know that, and uh, we're grateful to have him. He's one of the best in the league at his position. Um, so anytime you have a player like that on the field, uh, you got to take advantage of him. And um, we know that you know we just gotta we gotta give him a look, give him a chance, give him to the second level and he'll make things happen the pressure you know it seems like there's 
the down and distance is always a factor, but is there anything that stood out as a kind of a common thread in some of these like, pressures that have been allowed to stack? Um, I think it's been a mix of things. Uh, I think, honestly, most of the time, it's probably just been one man getting beat, uh, you know, having bad technique or, um, you know, maybe the defensive lineman, you know, having a good rush um you know they practice as well and just in those one-on-one matchups we've been beat too many times i think that's the majority of the time that's been the case and um that's to each and every person right so you know it's me one play it's eric one play it's trevor one play um it's you know sadly it's kind of taking a turn and so we just got to own up to that and we know it and we got to be better in those one-on-one situations and win our blocks and, and you know what is the approach to, to fixing that is it just working on technique yeah just you know being prepared you? it's a combination of things uh definitely working on technique first uh, um, second thing is understanding the team and the person that you're playing. I mean, each person rushes the passer differently, so it's understanding their techniques. And then it's also understanding, you know, what have I put on film? Who am I? Um, how have I been beat? And what are my weaknesses? Because they're watching that too, so they're going to attack those weaknesses. So it's it's understanding all those things and just making sure that um, you're putting in practice that is, you know, is helping you for the game. It's not just mindless routine or mindless movements. Um, it's things that you need to work on and improve on to get better so that when you go into the game, you're confident like, hey, I've worked on these things. I know that I'm better today than I was a week ago. And so I can be confident in going out executing. Just one more question. Uh, I see you switched to him from left guard to right guard. Was that the plan in terms of if Caesar went out, you would switch over and not come in? It's hard to exactly say what the plan was. Um, we're always hopeful, right? Um, I think just knowing my history, I, you know, mentally prepare for that and um, something that you know if it's needed I want to be able to be the guy that can do it um, and go over and do my best over there um, so it means a lot to me uh, honestly from you know the coaching staff trust me to, to move me over there and get the job done you heard from Saints James Hurst right there as we get ready for a noon kickoff right here inside the Caesar Superdome between the Bucks and the Saints um, more s- reports on social media now Jeff uh, Ian Rappaport uh, just put out there, source, Saints quarterback Derek Carr will start today despite an AC joint injury. That's the expectation we've been hearing. I think Adam Schefter was first to put that out earlier today. And, yeah, we mentioned it in the first hour. What is D.C. Derek Carr going to look like? Will he be able to push the ball down the field? Yeah. It's going to be very telling, I think. Very early on, we'll find out. Yeah, and I mean, if you go back to that week two matchup, you know, I, I expect to see the Bucks play similarly to how they did then. They, they were they were challenging Jameis Winston in that matchup to, to push the ball downfield. You saw him go deep to Chris Olave multiple times. They were close. And, the, and it's like you can say, well, why is he being that aggressive? Chris Olave was open. He just didn't hit him. You know, they, Jameis threw an interception into the end zone. It was one-on-one. Jamel Dean, Chris Olave went up. And I think that was the the issue for Chris Olave last year was he was losing those one-on-one matchups when it was a jump ball and he's had to go up and make a play well fast forward to this year and Chris Olave is making those catches you're giving him chances and he is making highlight real plays and I asked Jameis Winston this you know this week and obviously it doesn't seem like he's going to start but I asked him you know what's the difference he's seen from Chris Olave back then in week two to Chris Olave right now in week four after what we've seen through the first three weeks and he said last year, you know, he knew he could be that guy. He could be a star player. He was going out there. He was making big plays. Right now, he knows he's that guy. He knows. He's confident. And you can see it in the way he's playing. That one-handed catch he had against the Packers in the first half, you can might forget about it a little bit because how that game How ended, effortless it looked, too. I, I was watching that from the field level across the field. It was across from where I was standing. And I assumed he must have been out of bounds. 
Because you see guys make catches like that, and it's like, oh, yeah, he did that because he's five yards out of bounds. It doesn't matter. He's just going, no, no, no. He, he's in bounds clean. He just made that highlight reel catch look effortless. Uh, and so that's the type of player you're seeing. So, you know, I think if the Bucks try to do that again this year, you have Rashid Shaheed. You have Chris Olave playing at an incredibly high level. You have Mike Thomas in the middle of the field playing well. So, you know, if Derek Carr can take advantage of that, I think that the Saints have a really good chance today. You know, one of the things we talked about, too, last week leading up to the game was when are we going to see Jimmy Graham actually get involved in this offense? It happened. We finally saw him get that ball into the end zone. We, you know, we heard all the time, well, he's six foot seven. You might as well use that, that length to, yep. uh, down there. Uh, it's another big, big key going into the, this matchup, I think, of him being able to take advantage in, in the red zone and those opportunities uh, combined. I mean, there's so many weapons, obviously, on this offense right now that uh, for Derek Carr to take advantage of. But, yeah, who, who is he going to be able to get the ball to? Are we going to see, you know, him struggling with that shoulder injury? I'm sure they're going to shoot him up with God knows what before going into this yep. game. Uh, good I, stuff. I, I'm, I'm just curious, though, will, it, will he be able to hold up even when he gets, you know, taken to the ground? That'll be interesting, too. Yeah, uh, well, I think you're going to have to. I mean, if uh, Pete Carmichael was asked this week, what's the downside to running an offense where you get the ball out quickly, get the ball out quickly? And he said there is none. Well, if that's the case, do it, <laughs> right? I know Bobby agrees with me. Get the ball out of his hand. Run some quick game. Get the ball to Mike Thomas. Get the ball to Jimmy Graham and let them run and make a play. The play that uh, Derek Carr got hurt on, you know, he admits that he held onto the ball too long. He right. had Jimmy Graham short of the sticks, and it was third and nine. He wanted to make a play, but, you know, give yourself a chance, right? Jimmy Graham's a big dude. He can drag a guy two, three yards. You just got to make those decisions quickly. And especially in a day like this where you know they're, you know, the Bucks know what he's dealing with. It's not a secret. They know that right shoulder is, is hurting, and, you know, they're not going to try to hurt him, but they're not going to take it easy on him either. You know, if they have a chance to take him to the ground, they're going to do it. Um, right, Carr's got to target him as, as is, and I'm sure the shoulder's got just even a little bigger target area now. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, they, you know that body weight tackle it might, you know, cost you 15 yards, but, you know, you're going to, you know. Mm, might be worth yeah, it. Maybe today. But. You know, you talked about the tight ends. Last week, you didn't have Foster Morrow, so Jimmy Graham had a bigger role, yeah. generally speaking, in the blocking part of the game. Um, tight ends in general, I think total. You have seen nine catches for about 88 yards in that touchdown last week. Uh, Juwan Johnson has six catches. I think he has 61 yards. Foster Morrow, two catches, 20 yards. Jimmy Graham has one catch, I think that eight yards and about that touchdown. Did that from memory, just so you know. Uh, and... You know, that's, that's a part of the game where it's like, where, where have they gone? And, and part of it is they're getting lost in the blocking game. You need to help the tackles so they're chipping before getting out, and it's throwing off some of the timing. But you got to find a way to incorporate Jawan Johnson. Like, he's a big part of this offense that has been just nothing through three weeks. Um, Foster Morrow is questionable. We don't know. He's dealing with that ankle injury. He was able to practice in a limited fashion this week. So if he can get out there that does open up some things in a blocking game, maybe he can run some jumbo sets, get two tight ends on the field, and have Foster take on the block and get Juwan out in some pass sets. Because I really would like to see them get Juwan going. It's just a weapon that, you know, you have these wide receivers that are hard to match up with, he should be getting some favorable looks. Yeah, some of my out-of-town buddies that, you know, I've recommended Juwan Johnson yeah. to in fantasy football, Same. they're like, hey, when's like, this guy going to show up? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I, I thought you were this supposed yeah. Saints insider. Yeah, he, right. He's not doing anything for me like, right what now. What are you watching? Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. 
uh, looking at the thanking of good folks at Magazine Pizza. Looking forward to being back in studio later, later on to enjoy some of that. Magazine Pizza 1068 on Magazine Street. Dine-in or delivery. The best gourmet pizza selection in town. Magazine Pizza also has pasta, sandwiches, wings, and salads. Just go check out MagazinePizza.com. We'll be back with more First Take after this break. Going to check in and hear from Saints defensive end Cam Jordan when we get back right here on WWL. Back into first take, Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak here inside the Caesars Superdome. We're right by Gate B, Loge level. You can look for us in the atrium in the Caesars Rewards Lounge. Nice little setup as we gear up for the Bud Light Countdown to kickoff presented by our buddy Craig at Craig's Electrical Generator Service. Craig. Going to the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line, we got Jimmy and Gretna hanging on. What's going on today, Jimmy? What's up, man? Hey, y'all. Hey, look, I'm struggling. I told y'all this week I was going to try to go to three football games in 25 <laughs> hours. I went to Tulane yesterday morning. Drove, They won that game. They beat UAB. Drove up to see my alma mater in Hattiesburg playing Texas State. And you guys know the quarterback for Texas State, T.J. Finley, used to be at LSU. Well, he won last night. He beat my team. Drove back down. I still got the hall pass for my wife, all right? I, I'm still clear. I'm going for this final leg of the marathon today at the Superdome. And I'm um, drinking some Red Bulls. I, I, you know, the uh, hall pass expires at midnight. I, I'm turning into a pumpkin at midnight, and uh, we're going to shut it down. I've never done three games in 25 hours, but uh, I'm about to finish it off. I hope the Saints win it. Sounds like Derek Carr is going to play. You know, I'm not the biggest Jameis Winston fan, but I really hope Derek Carr's not coming back uh, too early. I will say this, and you guys are good with stats and analytics. It seems like Derek Carr, whether people like him or not, or we should have paid him this or shouldn't have, or he may have won it with the Raiders or not, or whatever, whoever's fault that was, uh, you know, he seems very durable. I mean, he's only missed a very few amount of games from what I understand in his lengthy career. Uh, I want to get your take on that. And, um, you know, do you guys think we're rushing Carr back too soon? Well, you know, it, it is interesting because you, you just assume that it was a significant sprain of his shoulder just based on the fact he didn't come in. He went to a hospital uh, in the second half of that Packers game. But, you know, it, it, based on how quickly it seems like he has come back, maybe it wasn't as big of an injury. Uh, Nick Underhill of New Orleans.Football said he didn't ex- there was no pain on Saturday when he came back from those Friday Right. From that Friday throwing session. And, you know, if that's the case, then, yeah, how do you, you, why wouldn't you put him out there? Right. And so, you know, you wonder if maybe, you know, he, that's self-reported. Right. That's the problem. It's like you, you have to trust him. It's not like there's a meat, there's anything you could put on his shoulder and be like, you're lying. You're ding, definitely ding, right. Pain. It shows up green. You're right. <laughs> um, so, you know, you, you kind of have to just trust that he's telling you the truth there. But if that's the case, then, yeah, I mean, you, you put him out there and you, and you say, OK, we're, we're trusting you. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully it's not a case of, of his heart being a little bigger than, uh, you know, his, sh- I don't know, that, that doesn't work the way I meant it. Uh, either way, it's, uh, it's something. I did sure. think it was interesting this week when someone in the media asked Dennis Allen about the grade of the sprain, and he really, he, he just kind of brushed it off he and, and multiple continued times on. And yeah, I, to be fair, I don't know if he necessarily actually even knows what the grade of the sprain is. I don't even know if it's important to him. His, his what he's worried about is okay how long you know yeah and so, exactly yeah he wouldn't tell us the grade um but you know based on the fact that he's playing today i would guess one 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a pretty safe assumption, yeah. right? Like, I was gonna say it might not even be towards you know towards that grade one strain. I, I got to imagine though, whatever Derek Carr is dealing with, uh, it's still got to be significantly uncomfortable and interested to see how he ends up being able to respond to that. I know, you know, fans are gonna be like, is is his throws gonna be limited and if that's the case during the game where we kind of see him struggling, do they make a move then? Yeah, that's a, that's a good <laughs> question. Yeah, if the, if the offense is bogging down, if it doesn't seem like it, you know, it, do, do you have to consider it, right? And that's, you know, hopefully it's not a question they have to answer. Um, but it is, it is going to be something to watch, you know. Derek, as Jimmy pointed out, uh, you know, he has been durable, right? Like he hasn't let injuries keep him out of games. You know, we talk about three games missed. The one, one of the games that isn't technically on that list is the playoff game where he broke his leg. And he wasn't out there for it. You know, one of the few chances he's had to go into the postseason and play a game, he wasn't able to play. Um, so, he's, you know, he's been a warrior, and hopefully that works out for the Saints this year or today. Our Oakland Heart Jewelers Rolex time check, two hours, 28 minutes till a noon kickoff here inside the Caesar Superdome leading up to right now the Bud Light countdown to kickoff, which gets going at 10 a.m. with the Cajun Cannon Bobby Bear. You're going to stop by our new location inside the Caesar Superdome. We're right at Gay B, the Loge level. Look for us in the atrium. Uh, coming back with more of First Take, though, right after this break here on WWL. Welcome back into First Take. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak here leading you up to the Bud Light Countdown to kickoff, which gets going at 10 a.m. Happy news across the pond. Jacksonville Jaguars up 17-0 now over the Atlanta Falcons. Desmond Ritter, a pick six just occurred. Uh, I made a joke to Jeff here that it was Mr. Potato Head getting things going for the Jacksonville defense and running things in. I did not see uh, what they did on the broadcast, on the Disney Plus broadcast for the Toy Story outcome of that. But right away, uh, Jacksonville now out to a 17-0 lead here with 431 till halftime in London. Hopefully they can hold on. Uh, We heard from Saints defensive end Cam Jordan during the week in the locker room. Here's what the main man Cam had to say leading up to this matchup. Whether their offense and I guess specifically Baker Mayfield do well because you guys have faced Baker before. I think that they they put together a, you know a game plan for us. I think the the first three games they've been to each and every one of those fights, and this is something that you you know you have to be aware of. I think it, it more pertains to what our defense wants to do. We we have to be able to to play all four quarters and improve upon you know the reasons why we lost last week. I think that if you hold a team to you know you hold a team from previous week to nothing until eight minutes into the fourth quarter, you should have a great chance to win that game. Um, so it's more about us this week than ever before. How do you guys get back to that because you've done it? It's more about us this week than ever before. So we're just focusing on exactly what it takes. So uh, we're, we're paying attention to the minutia, um, the, the finer details of all of our, our plays. You have to, you know, we have exotic plays and we have blitzes. We have, you know, our base defense. But let's iron the details out. Let's everybody be on the same page. Um, if we weren't clearer and more crisp on how we want to communicate on our line, how we want to communicate on our back on our backside, um, I think the last two days of practice would indicate that we're ever more clear and crisp in our communication. You look forward to the Marshawn versus Mike Evans? I don't know what that has to do with me and my battles, but I feel like, you know, as our defense, we have areas that we want to uh, take advantage of, and I feel like over the years that has been an area that we have seen work for us. Um, I do believe that, I mean, that, that's a Titan match, matchup. Um, 
especially with the wide receiver core, of course. Uh, but if if the ball never leaves the quarterback's hands, then we don't have to worry about that matchup at all. So I'm going to think that our, our defensive line would like to get more pressure, uh, be able to affect the quarterback. If the if quarterback actually has to read our defense and, you know, hold the ball, that's when we're going to see uh, things be uh, collected. Ken, have you seen the intensity of this rivalry grow since you came to late? Because actually every week, like, we, we face a divisional opponent. Is, is there a rivalry between Tampa that I don't know about? Like two weeks ago, was, was there a rivalry from Carolina that I don't know about? There's only one real rivalry, and it's not really a rivalry, but, you know, it's, it's, it's the Saints and then the, uh, the black and, black and uh, blue, I mean black and red team over in Atlanta um, that usually leaves black and blue after the game. <laughs> but in terms of, in terms of the other rivalries, no, there, there are NFC divisional opponents. Rivalry is a little bit much. How many fights and ejections does it take to get to rivalry status? It just depends. It just depends, you know. Like that's. I feel like that one's more of a set situation, mm. you know. In terms of the city versus city, in terms of the our fans versus their, I don't think they have fans anymore. Like once Tom left, huh? <laughs> um, but in terms of you know a rivalry, you've seen bigger rivalries. I think that this is a game that is on our, our books and is the most important game because it's a divisional opponent. And you have to take these divisional games like they're, they're two, two games in. Love hearing from Saints defensive end Cam Jordan and any opportunity he gets to take a shot at the Atlanta Falcons or pretty much anybody in this NFC South, he's going he's gonna to unload. Boom, roasted. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he, you know what, I'll, what I'll, give, I'll give Cam credit. He is very consistent with that take. Like I've heard him say, basically the exact same thing. What rivalry, right? Yeah, and so it, that's nothing new, but it is funny. Anytime someone tweets that, uh, the, the opposing fans are like, urgh, 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 and it's like, we don't, they don't, they don't care about you. Anyway, uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to be interesting, and, you know, what I've heard from multiple people in the locker room this week, so I, I imagine it is a very consistent message uh, for across the, the preparation is you got to finish, right? Like, it's easy to forget because they won the game. Saints defense caved. On that last drive against the Panthers, they had a chance to get an onside kick and have and go and potentially kick a tying field goal or win that game. And the Saints are not, you know, that it's it, it didn't really matter in the in the grand scheme. But you look at how they lost last week and how they really fell apart in the fourth quarter of that game, and it's starting to become a trend. And that can't be the trend of this team: is you play really good defense through three quarters, and then when it gets down to crunch time, you fold. And so this team is very, like Tyron Matthews said it, Cam Jordan said it, you know, they, got, they have to play 60 minutes of full football, full effort, full energy defense. Um, you know, it's going to be a little easier if the offense can contribute in some way in the second half of the game, uh, the way they did in week two and they did in week one. But, yeah, the, this team is very well aware of what's happened to, to end those, those first two or those last two weeks, and they're going to do what they can to correct it. But, you know, the Saints play a very uh, – energy-intensive brand of football. They play a lot of man coverage, especially from the defensive backfield. They're chasing guys around. These last two weeks, you had Jordan Howden in there starting for his first career game. He's de- he, he was dealing with a finger injury. It's interesting. He had a yeah. finger injury in practice leading up to the game. He was a late addition to the injury report. He played through it against the Packers. I don't know if he made it worse. I don't know if he had to have anything done to that finger. We don't even know which finger it is. But for a guy to miss a game with a finger injury, it's got to be significant. Um, he's going to be out. So I imagine you'll see Lonnie Johnson in that spot. We talked to Joe Woods about Lonnie Johnson, and he described him as basically he looks – he's built like a tight end. He runs like a receiver. And, you know, he's a guy they like. He's a guy they trust. They brought him in from Tennessee. 
Um, you're going to see Isaac Yadam on the outside again, another guy that Joe Woods likes a lot. He, uh, you know, got to know him at the Senior Bowl um, as, when he was a coach. And I want to say it was 2018. He was the defense coordinator for the Broncos at that point, and they went on the third round and drafted Isaac Yadam largely because of that that engagement they had and the confidence he played with at the Senior Bowl. So Joe Woods really likes Isaac Yadam. I thought he played really well last week. So, you know, it's going to be another week where, okay, can these – backup safety a backup safety a backup cornerback can they get the job done the good news is between the guys they're playing next to are Tyron Matthew and Marshawn Lattimore so you know they're able to make up for a lot of that but because of that you're getting targeted they're going at you they're going at Isaac Adam all day long and he's got to continue to come up with plays so you know I, I think that's what it's going to come down to is can this defense not only play well be consistent through the line finish the game and we saw Green Bay pretty much do that with Yadam targeting him. Oh, yeah. I thought he held up pretty well. I think uh, Zebra zebra stats, they, they, they had him at seven tightly contested catches. Okay. Like he, he had five pass breakups, I want to say. But even some of the catches that he allowed, they were great plays. I thought Romeo Dobbs had an excellent second half of that game. He made some crazy catches. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, all you can do as a defensive back is make it as difficult as possible. Sometimes the receiver is going to make a crazy catch. Sometimes Chris Olave is going to go up there and make a crazy catch. You know, there's nothing you can do about that other, up beyond playing, you know, to your keys, playing with good technique and not fouling. Um, and so, yeah, I thought he did that really well. But, again, you know, they're not going to throw at Marshawn Lattimore all day long. They're going to say, okay, who's not wearing 23? Let's go with that guy. And, you know, that guy's wearing 27. His name is Isaac. Oh, uh, guy, we want to see the Saints team obviously get after quarterback Baker Mayfield. Uh, so far this season, four touchdowns, one interception. Uh, that game against the Saints last year when he was with Carolina wasn't anything spectacular, Jeff. You know, 12 of 25, 170 yards, one touchdown, was sacked three times, a QB rating of 83.8. Yet the Carolina Panthers find a way to win that game, or we could say the Saints find a way to lose that one in Carolina last season. Yeah, both games against the Panthers. I, I think you maybe combined to have 200 yards passing oh, in right. those games. Um, but not, you know, a dis- not, a, not a display of football you want to remember. The story of that game was a turnover, right? It was that fumble six from Kamara early in the game, and the Saints never were able to recover from that. Obviously, right. can't, uh, Jameis was playing with some significant injuries in that game. The offense never got going. But if you look at – if you want to know the story of why the Bucks are 2-1, and one, plus five in the turnover department. The Saints are plus two. You know, probably should be a little more. You know, you had a blocked punt. You had a couple more plays that you could consider kind of momentum-swinging plays. But that's the, the recipe for how the Bucks won their first two games. They, turned the, they got takeaways, and they didn't turn the ball over. Well, against the Eagles, they did turn it over. They got takeaways, but they also turned it over. So I think that's going to be the story. If the Bucks can get Baker Mayfield some short fields, if the Saints make mistakes and allow them some free points, some free possessions, then I think the I think the Bucks you know, become a very formidable opponent because that defense can kind of tee off. The Bucks want to be playing from ahead. They don't want to be playing from behind. What's crazy with this Bucks squad? You look at their run game; it's more atrocious than the Saints' output. Well, I think it, the, the issue with the Bucks is who are those guys? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, right? Like these guys that you know, if you if you went back a couple of years, you'd be like, these aren't starters in the NFL. What are they doing? Um, and so, yeah, th- that's. That's, you know, you, you remember names like Leonard Fournette on this team, and they're not here anymore. He's, they're not there anymore. So who's going to beat you? You know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin are still out there, but then you look at the depth chart behind them, like, uh, Trey Palmer? <laughs> I remember that name. Yeah, it's like, hey. The guy who, who was at LSU and then transferred away and went to Nebraska. He's fast. Does he have hands? I don't know. And he's their number three receiver right now. He's a rookie. 
Yeah, you know? I know they got the tight end Kate Otten. Kate Otten's good. Uh, but hasn't really done anything that impressive yeah, so he's far. Not ex- he's not exactly Gronk. No, right? exactly. Like, you know, the, this offense has a couple weapons, but they, they aren't weapons beyond Mike Evans and Chris Godwin that should scare you. You should have the advantage if you're the Saints. Yeah, like I uh, said, with this run game, you have Rashad White as their main rusher right now. 48 carries, 150 yards, averaging 3.1 yards a carry. Behind him, Jeff, it's Baker Mayfield as the second leading rusher on this squad. That's that's no bueno. No, <laughs> it's not. I don't I don't have anything to say about that. It's not good. Yeah, so hopefully we, <laughs> we, we can continue to see them struggle in that run game where the Saints, you know, getting a guy like Alvin Kamara back, we see that run game flourish despite the issues along the offensive line. But I think, you know, having a guy like Kamara back is going to help open so many other things uh, within this offense beside the run game. And it's, but it's going to be crucial, to, to uh, obviously, to control the clock against this team. Yeah, you think we might see a screen today? Wouldn't <laughs> that be nice? Uh, you know, we, I, don't, I can't remember the last time we saw, like, a successfully run screen for the Saints offense. It, I mean, they've run some screens. They've failed. You know, they actually had a screen set up to Kendra Miller last week, and you had Andres Pete and Eric McCoy both go try to block the same guy. Like, everyone was set up. You had, you had enough blockers. All you got to do is go in there and stop them, and they could not do it. So maybe, you know, with, with Alvin, maybe he makes that guy miss. Maybe he breaks a tackle and gets downfield. Um, but, yeah, that's, you know, we looked last year, and the screen game was just not a part of this offense that was successful. And it's something that you remember seeing with Drew and Alvin. It was something that made this offense so difficult to defend because it was just, you know, it's like a, it's like a good changeup in baseball. Like, right. It's like if you, you could, a 99-mile-an-hour fastball only works until they gear up for a 99-mile-an-hour fastball. That's when you hit them with the changeup. And right now the Saints offense doesn't seem to have a changeup. No, and the not even having a changeup, I'm going to segue into that. The reports are obviously Derek Carr on track to start again this season. There'll be no changeup at quarterback. Jameis Winston <laughs> nice. was, was kind of, ex, you know, I thought all week, I was like, there's no way. This is all a smoke screen going on right now. I don't know why we're playing these silly little games. And then seeing Friday, Carr being, you know, limited at practice, able to throw a little bit, that kind of changed the whole view of everything to me going, well, it's, it's not that smokescreen anymore because he's obviously throwing at practice and able to take part. I think everyone in the media corps, when they sent Derek Carr out to talk on Wednesday, because that's kind of the thing. It's like yeah, if you're right. injured and you're not going to play, <laughs> you don't have to talk to the media. Well, Derek Carr approached the entire week as a guy who was planning to play. He didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday, but you could tell, like, in his mind, he wasn't missing this game. And... You know, I think everyone was like, yeah, this is all for show. They just Definitely. want the, pack, uh, the Bucks to be, have to prepare for multiple quarterbacks. And, you know, it, if the way it's working out today, the Bucks, I guarantee you, thought the same thing. I'm sure they spent all week, at least to some extent, being like, okay, how are we going to prepare for a Jameis Winston-led offense? You know, they're not that different in the sense that the offense completely changes. But there are, every quarterback is different in terms of tendencies. You want to be able to scout, okay, it's third and short. What is he looking for? What does he like to do? It's third and medium. What does he like to do, right? And you know, I, I would be very surprised if the Bucks spent any time this week really diving into Derek Carr as the Saints quarterback and, like, looking very closely at what he, the decisions he's made over the first three weeks. So that, that should play to the Saints' advantage today because I think everyone was like, no, it's a smokescreen, and it turned out to not be. It turned out to be exactly what they said it was. More and more life, you feel it coming into the Superdome right now, Jeff. We were here so early, uh, hanging out Gate B in the atrium in the Caesars Reward Lounge. Uh, coming up at 10 o'clock, the Bud Light countdown to kick off with the Cajun Cannon 
Bobby Abair. I uh, want to make sure you hang out with us here. But, yeah, like I said, that, that life coming into the Superdome here right now, uh, it's kind of funny being here so early to see everybody setting up, getting ready for this game. And, man, it's, it seems like a, a long time since we've been in the Dome. And, and it's, it really, it's, it's been a long time for I me. I know, for me, you're, you're because exactly. I was sick for week one, so I wasn't able to get out here for the Titans game. So the last time I was in this building <laughs> was the preseason finale, which feels like a lifetime ago. It kind of like about six weeks ago at this point. And, uh, you know, it's the first time I've been in this atrium here. It's, it's, it's fancy. They've done a good job. No, it's funny. We talked about that, too. Obviously, you know, being, you know, going to the press box or field level kind of things, we don't get to enjoy the amenities all around the Caesar Superdome, especially everything that's been renovated here. Yeah, you're right. Everything looks amazing with the bar setups, uh, the market area over there. I need to go and check out and definitely get me a double espresso or something to, to get that energy up even more for the rest of game day. I, I don't know. I think anyone listening can tell I'm, I'm a bit over-caffeinated right now because when I get over-caffeinated, <laughs> I talk very, very fast. It's the, it's the, the northerner in me. But uh, I promise I'll slow down for the broadcast. Well, we'll get ready for more of that broadcast coming up at noon on the uh, Community Coffee Saints Radio Network. But first, after first take here will be the Bud Light Countdown, the kickoff coming up with the Cajun Cannon, closing out first take right after the break, right here on WWL after this. Welcome back into first take. We are closing things out as we get ready for the Bud Light Countdown, the kickoff coming up with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear, getting into some of our fantasy football thoughts and game predictions. We're going to head to the studio, Cullen who you like in fantasy-wise in this matchup for the black and gold today, and how do you see this game shaking out? It's Occam's razor over here, you know? Like, it's got to be Kamara through and through. It, it's the simplest answer. It's the go-to answer. It's the answer that's staring everybody in the face. It's, it's, I mean, come on. You'd be blind to not pick him. Like the, the choice of Kamara now, what are you picking for score-wise for this team? My only issue with Kamara – oh, you're, you're going to call him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff, no, come on. We have he was looking me. at me. That's why was I was talking. He was looking at you, but he was thinking of me, and that's all that matters. <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking 30-20. I'm thinking 30-20. I, I, I want us to finally break, like, at least a double-digit lead or a one-score lead over an opponent. And more importantly, I want to keep the opponent under 20 continuously. Liking that double-digit prediction, Jeff, how you feeling fantasy-wise and game prediction? Yeah, I mean, I, I, th I think there's going to be a temptation to be like, okay, all, all in on Alvin Kamara. But I think the Bucks are going to be looking at it the same way, right? I sure. think they're going to say, we're going to stop. We're going to take away Alvin from the jump. And we're going to make Derek Carr prove to us that his shoulder is healthy. If he can do that, then, yes, I think you could see a big day for Alvin Kamara. If not, who knows? But, you know, I, yeah, I think this is, is going to be a Mike Thomas game. Uh, I think you're going to see him catch a lot of passes. I think they're going to test Carlton Davis's toe early. Uh, and we're going to see what happens. But score prediction, yeah, I think in that range, 28-13 is what I'm going with. I'm with the AK bandwagon. Six career home games against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Eight touchdowns, five rushing, and three receiving. Hopefully we see more of that. Score-wise, I think the Saints take this one 23-20. It's going to be another tight game. Coming up right after this, the Bud Light countdown to kickoff on the Community Coffee Saints Radio Network. Who that? Who that?